You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy tournament day, everybody. It has only just begun. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on your Friday afternoon. It's good to be back. Had some Lee Scott baseball games to attend to yesterday. Always enjoy doing play-by-play, but good to be back in the studio as well. We want to hear from you. Y'all had quite a few callers yesterday. We want to hear from you folks again, 334-321-1390, and also get some more folks in on the action. We want to have your calls here once again the number to call 334-321-1390 finally via and i on twitter at point gardner at levi fitzwater we're also on the eve of auburn football having an open practice to the public tomorrow it's huge that is very huge and we had a great show yesterday glad to have you back though me and lance had a good time but it's always good to see you sitting in the studio with me as well so glad to have you back but yeah Auburn practice tomorrow and open practice the first time since, what, the early Tuberville days, if I'm not mistaken. So big, big deal. Media gets to go in and look at it. you got fans who can go in there, bring their families, have a good time. It's it's a big deal. I, I think this is a big deal. Me, doesn't quite move the needle for me because am I going to get up and go to a practice? No. Am I going to look and see what, you know, guys like Justin Ferguson have to say afterwards? Yes. You're not going to go tomorrow? I, no, I got to work. Fair. <laughs> Second thing. Plus, it's so early in the morning. I mean, second thing. That's way too early. It's like the sun's not even up at that time. Justin Ferguson, love the guy, friend of the program. You're not gonna follow what I have to say about it. Are you going tomorrow? I am going tomorrow. Oh, then I'll keep I'll up with you too. I wake up before noon. I mean, that's fair. But you also don't have my work schedule where you're up. That's and, a good point. Where you have to be up until one o'clock in the morning. You're a night owl. I understand. You but work it, in the evenings. Your day happens. begins at like two p.m. Pretty much, yeah. My day begins at 2 p.m. and has to end around like 2 or 3 when I finish eating dinner. It's it's a walkie schedule, but someone has to deal with that. So I will wake up. I'll probably wake up when the practice starts, and I will kind of, you know, see what all of you guys have to say. I wish they would live stream it. That would be even better for me. We're going to keep you up to date on what's happening in the NCAA tournament throughout the show. The first four grouping of games, because, you know, they're grouped into four games at four different time intervals throughout the day. So the first four games of the day are about to wrap up, the latest of which, the one that's trailing behind all of them right now, is Utah State and Texas Tech that is currently tied up at 31 with about 15 minutes left in the second half. Arkansas just put away Colgate 85-68. to And if you have that Arkansas team going far, I know that final score right there may not tell the complete story but you were sweating it against the toothpaste they, company right there they went on a 17 to nothing run to end the half am i right or am i wrong in that they went on a pretty good stretch i was watching the, the end florida of, virginia tech they, game that I, ended the gators way 75 I'm, to 70 i'm in pretty overtime. sure they went 17 oh at the end of the first half to cut that lead they were down by a good bit to colgate i wish colgate would have kept it within eight i mentioned on the show yesterday on twitter which you can find me at levi fitzwater i am picking every single tournament game against the spread 
I'm not betting. I'm not doing any of that. I am just picking them against the spread. Had a good day yesterday, 2-2, two and two, thanks to UCLA and Texas Southern. And we're starting off hot today. We had Florida as a pick em, but had Colgate plus 8. Didn't quite materialize at the end of the day. It was a 15-4 run that created separation yeah. between the two. There we go. Arkansas defeating Colgate 85-68 to to stave off possible elimination and a possible upset because, as, as you did point out, Colgate was leading in the second half in that ball game. Illinois is about a minute and a half away from taking down 16-seed Drexel. That one was actually pretty close in the first half, but you would not know that if you tuned in in the second half where the score is currently 78-47. to So destruction there against 20, the Drexel Dragons. 22 and a half. Let's go, Illinois. And then once again, Texas Tech and Utah State. Texas Tech taking back a lead on the Utah State Aggies, 33-31 after trailing at halftime in that ball game defensive contest much better offense here in the second half where those two teams i think it was like 23 21 at halftime between utah state and texas tech so it was an ugly first half neither team could find the bucket a lot of turnovers especially on utah state side it's been a fun day of tournament action though we've had nothing but good games so far with the exception of illinois drexel yeah i mean it's been very very interesting i'm, I'm gonna say it it might be a hot take this tournament already better than last year's <laughs> It took wait, me a second. I was wait, like, wait a minute. What happened last year? I was like, oh. Nothing happened last year. That's so right. it's already a better tournament. We got the tournament back. I mean, that Florida-Virginia Tech game was a good one. You go to overtime in the first game of the tournament, I think that is a precursor for good things to come. And by good things, I mean madness and chaos. Love it. Coming up in the next grouping of four games, I would say, you've got 16-seed Hartford against one-seed Baylor, 230 on True TV. At three on TBS, you've got nine seed Georgia Tech against eight seed Loyola Chicago. One of the best games of the day. And yes, Levi, by now I have filled out my bracket. I have put it into the various websites that I have bracket pulls and whatnot. And I do have Georgia Tech taking down Loyola Chicago, despite the fact that they're missing one of their best players on yeah, the team. They're missing Moses Wright, and that's going to be a big thing. That kind of steers me. I still got Alvarado. It kind of like steers me for... Uh, it, it just it steers me towards Loyola Chicago. I mean, the line shifted from two and a half to five and a half. But I think, like you said, Jose Alvarado. Even without Wright, Georgia Tech still has more scores right yes. now than Loyola Chicago does. Only one player on Loyola Chicago's mm -hmm. team averages in double digits. To and put that in perspective, almost all of Georgia Tech's starters average double digits. And to put that in perspective, Auburn High School did that. Auburn High School just had one player that averaged double dis, uh, double digit points <laughs> going into the postseason. Like that, that's not common for a collegiate basketball team to just have one. To just have the one, um, the one player in double digits that that doesn't make too much sense. I still like this game. I think it's going to be a close game. It's it's weird for me simply for the fact that you're you're right. No Moses Wright's going to hurt Georgia Tech, but they're a team. There's a real complete team. Yes, Loyola Chicago, great efficient defensive team, but does that how how telling is that they haven't played top tier competition this year 100 so, so horizon we, league or wherever yeah the only at. i think the only tournament team they've played or really good team they played has been drake if i'm not mistaken i could be wrong in that i think that is the only tournament team they played unless i'm overlooking some non-conference opponent at the beginning of the year but yeah i mean i i still like georgia tech you know i've been high on them since since the days of them knocking off florida state Bzzz. 
forgive me for saying Loyola Chicago was a Horizon League team. That was before they moved to the Missouri Valley Conference. Loyola Chicago being one of those top dogs, the Ramblers in the Missouri Valley Conference. Coming up after that at 3.30 on TNT, 12-seed Oregon State against 5-seed Tennessee. I really like the Volunteers in that game against Oregon State. Two very similar play styles. Both teams have an extremely hard time scoring the basketball. They play pretty good defense, but I feel like that factors into a little bit more of Tennessee's corner than Oregon State's because Tennessee, I think we can both agree, is the better team, probably the better defensive team, and if it's being played in their style, they're probably going to beat you. I just think the Volunteers are a much ta- more talented roster than Oregon State as well. I, I just flat out think they're a better basketball team. Oregon State really snuck into the tournament by the skin of their teeth, pun intended, because they're the Beavers. They snuck in there literally just by winning their conference Pac-12 tournament. Pac-12 got some love in this tournament they, field. They, they really did. did. I mean, USC a six seed, Colorado, Colorado a five seed, Oregon in there as well as a seven seed. Maybe, maybe UCLA even being allowed to play in this year's tournament. And UCLA beat Michigan State Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage yesterday. I mean, that was a crazy, <laughs> crazy game. And it worked out for me. I picked UCLA plus two. I, I liked UCLA to beat Michigan State because so everybody, everybody was talking about Michigan State. Michigan State's going to go on a run because they beat all these teams. I said, nah, nah. You know how I feel about the public. Anytime I hear everybody saying something, I'm going to turn and go the opposite way. I like that BYU team too much. Oh, God, same. Everybody hates it. I had to everybody pull hates back. It. I had to pull back on not picking an upset against Texas in the second. I was like, look, calm down. But that BYU team can shoot it. There, if, if, if you're looking, if you like to pick teams that can spray it from beyond the three-point line and can get hot offensively, and maybe they're a mid-major or a small conference program, and you like to pick those teams to go on upsets, BYU is probably advancing through your bracket a couple of rounds. I keep they, hearing they have I, some attractive numbers. Also, everybody's been high on the 11 seed, whether it was UCLA or Michigan State that, I'm mean, sorry, UCLA or Michigan State presented by Rocket Mortgage who won that game. Uh, everybody was picking that team to beat BYU. And I like I just I I love I get it I understand why it's a hot pick, but BYU's a good team. That shows that people haven't been watching. They haven't watched West Co- West Coast Conference basketball. They haven't watched BYU basketball. They can score. They they were throttling Gonzaga in that West Coast Conference championship game. I think this BYU team could possibly go on a run. I, I think they have the talent to do so. I wanted to pick them against I think Texas. They have the shooting to do so. I agree with that, and I, I wanted to pick them so bad against Texas. I was like you. I think I fell in love with them. There were teams in this tournament that I just fell in love with, and I was trying to temper my temper my picks a little bit because I didn't want to go with the fact that I love the BYU team. I love this Illinois team. There are just some teams that I've fallen in love with throughout the tournament. That I'm going easy. Look at the stats. Look at look at the matchups. Try not to just be like, oh, I love this team. This team is looking really good. They're looking hot. Pick them. I try to temper my you know temper my picks with that. Illinois leading Drexel now 78-49, and that one goes final now, actually, as that updates on my ESPN app. They take down Drexel 78-49. Two and one ATS today, baby. Hey, I'm, I'm looking at my picks right now. I'm 3-0. That's great. I didn't yeah, pick same. against the spread. I'm 3-0, and so that's great. I'm three, got, yeah, I'm, I say I'm 3-0 and in tournament. I'm 2-1 and against the spread. I'm looking good today. Good day. Great day, March Madness. Six, Texas Tech against 11. Utah State, 41-33 is the score there. 12-46 left in that half. And then Ohio State and Oral Roberts tied up at 10. Some of these some of these higher seed games, they've, they've struggled early on. I mean, Illinois may have smited Drexel, but that was a close game going into halftime between those two schools, or at least it was close 
for a decent portion of the first half. And now Ohio State and Oral Roberts locked in a 10-10 battle here early on through the first five minutes of the ballgame. So some good basketball on today as we head into that second grouping of four games. Then some really good basketball coming up later tonight. And we'll talk about that later on in the show as well. Here before we go to break, let's take this in a different direction. Auburn football again, once again. We got distracted. <laughs> no, I think I think that's what everybody cares about today. I, NCAA I so. tournaments dominating televisions. This would be an... It, 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 I think you can make an argument. Maybe this should be a national holiday. I agree with that. What, I think what the, say you? I think enough the, people take work off today anyway to just go and watch all the games, right? Super Bowl should be on a Saturday. March Madness should be a national holiday. No school. And if Super, let them out. And if you don't want to move the Super Bowl off of Sunday to Saturday, give us the Monday off. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> you got to give people what they want. We're we live to pay bills and you know just work and pay bills. That's what yeah, we isn't live it Switzerland for. Switzerland, who has a ton more. We need we need vacation more holidays. holidays, right? Like, it's isn't life. That we gotta enjoy like life. I think it is Switzerland or Sweden. It's one of those two. I think just we gotta enjoy but they're life. They're super man. productive because they have to be because there's less time that they're at work. Exactly. Give give more days off. You it increases productivity at work and it improves your overall mental health and lifestyle. I mean, everybody wants to have an extra day off to go sit in the sun, go fish, go watch basketball, hang out with your family. Everybody wants that. Let's just give it to them. All right. What do you expect to see tomorrow, Saturday, your weekend, the, the what we work for, apparently? <laughs> Auburn football, That's open practice tomorrow to the public. Gates open at 11, practice begins at 11.30. What do you expect to see tomorrow out there at practice if you were to go? If I was to go. <laughs> what do you expect to hear about? I Yes, there we go. I expect... Uh... I expect to hear about the pecking order. That's what I because he had he hadn't he doesn't talk about the depth chart. He's talked about the pecking order at practice. I'm excited. But not just to see. about the quarterback position because I, I feel no, like no, yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like that's no, no, one no. of the more secure position. Groups, not about right? that. I'm talk. I'm looking at linemen, which I think that they're pretty secure right now, at least early stages in what they're doing. I don't think there's gonna. I think Nick Brahms was the one who said uh, two days ago that they're not swapping real positions right now across that line. I'm interested to see the tight end position where the receivers going to line up some of the defensive linemen, you know, some of the positions that we've talked about that are more up in the air and anybody could step up and have a chance to play. I'm just looking forward to see where the pecking order starts at practice and how that translates in the spring because you could see guys lining up as starters, quote-unquote, in practice tomorrow that end up not starting the spring game. And I'm interested to see where we are and, you know, just for a little selfish reasons, how right me and you have been when we've been talking about these. That's right. And we have to keep in mind, though, just it's because early. things don't line up necessarily the way that we yep. thought going into this first practice, well, or at least the first practice that we can get our eyes on, not a day. It is early, and he's probably still rotating guys in and out of different position groups, trying to get a feel for them. What you see on a day, I think, is a little bit more of a finished product before you go into the summer and the fall camp. That's a little bit more that that's a little bit more final that's a little bit more finite rather than what's happening right now because you're going to get different guys different reps at multiple positions that that matters more right now than maybe having a, a finished pecking order or a depth chart we uh we talk a lot about Gus Malzahn being rigid and you know hammering down with certain guys at, at different position groups across the depth chart and not removing them because of their experience because of their just having an allegiance to certain players I don't think this coaching staff has that I think we see some guys move around maybe we see some guys at some surprising positions that maybe we didn't expect to so tomorrow I'm excited to see where everybody's lining up see if it's similar to what 
his predecessor had, had him lined up as or if it will be drastically different we want to hear from you on that what do you think do you think it's going to be you know a big difference tomorrow or do you think it's going to be a little bit more of the same of what we saw from Gus Malzahn in terms of how this team lined up the number to call 334-321-1390 we want to hear from you we're going to take a quick break here and when we come back we are going to start ranking our top five performers for this season where we are going to predict our top five performers on the offensive side of the ball coming up this fall we'll be back in just a moment you're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama coming up next segment we'll have Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman Auburn had some media availability with players today so we'll get his thoughts on what those players had to say we'll also get his thoughts on the ncaa tournament practice tomorrow for auburn football auburn baseball's taking on old miss transfers in the auburn basketball program there is a smorgasbord of topics when you're talking about auburn athletics and then beyond right now we've got a packed show for you so guys much. today so much to talk about we have so only much. scratched the surface here in the show today keep up with all of the content the show's putting out on radioalabamasports.net and on the radio alabama sports facebook page follow it on twitter as well at radio al sports between collegiate and high school sports content we've got you covered once again that's radioalabamasports.net today on the website we got preview articles for both auburn and alabama baseball series taking on old miss and then also arkansas taking on alabama big series for those two sec west schools that are towards the bottom of the sec west pecking order as we've liked to say over the over the last week this is the chance for both auburn and arkansas this weekend to make a statement it's, it's a big opportunity for especially auburn i mean auburn if they go in there and play if they play up to what you think their talent is they can really make an impression, and that's win, lose, or draw. In this case, I'm not really, I'm look, I'm not looking. Like obviously, you want to see wins, but if they play Ole Miss tough this weekend, like I like what they've been doing. So, here's what it is. They've got a big TBA on their probable rotation for this weekend. The probable pitchers for Auburn, they've got a big TBA on Sunday. So I found that to be interesting. We'll talk about that later play, on in the show. What does that mean? Play to by have? ear, I guess. I mean, I'm not sure, but. The two that were already listed as starters for this weekend, Friday, Greenhill, Saturday, Barnett. You wonder, you know, Trace Bright, have have they lost confidence after a less than ideal outing last week against Little Rock? Or Maybe does that mean Richard Fitz could be making an appearance on Sunday? Is Jack Owen possibly that's... available? There's a lot of... Maybe the, to be answered. Yeah, you know, maybe they're, maybe I, it's they're not seeing, to be announced. It's yeah. to be answered for me this weekend. I think they're seeing baseball. those injuries. Like I think that's what it's telling to me. I think they're kind of looking and they're going to see where's Richard Fitz health wise, where's Jack Owen health wise, and if neither of those guys can go, I think they probably will turn it to Trace Bright if one of those guys, if if neither of those guys are healthy. I think they're going to see over the weekend how healthy those guys well, are. Where else do you go? You know. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to at that point, or maybe. Maybe they're seeing if they have to use Fitz as a relief role sure. throughout the weekend. And maybe they're thinking, if we have to use him as a relief role, we'll try it out you know, either Bright or Jack Owen if Jack Owen's healthy. So keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on that throughout the weekend. I think once we'll— How uh, Auburn uses their relievers. And then we'll see. I think that'll t- be telling of, especially like Friday and Saturday, you'll see how their relief—like how they're using the relief pitchers. That will be the telling— 
for what's going to happen Sunday, at least in my opinion. I think that's what we're going to learn a lot about Sunday based off of how the relief pitchers are used on Friday and Saturday. Now into the topic that we teased before we went into our previous break. We're going to rank Auburn's top five performers that we're, we're predicting this group. We're going to predict Auburn's top five performers on the offensive side of the ball. Keyword there is top five performers. This is not just skill position players. I'm talking about at the end of the year, these guys are going to have impressed me the most with their performances across the season. So I've kind of given away a little bit. I do have a couple of offensive linemen on this list. Me too. I expect Auburn's offensive line to improve. Maybe that. Maybe it's just me comparing them to the previous year makes me view this ranking system here for these offensive linemen and including them in that top five. Maybe that's you know skewing it a little bit for me because they've been so bad over the last couple of years and any bit of improvement may be viewed as a as a major step forward but we're going to rank this top five here and the reason why we're doing that is we have finished up the offensive side of the ball for our eight day depth chart series projecting the depth chart for each position group each week we do once a week now next week we're going to be on to the defensive side of the ball this week we finished it up on Wednesday with the offensive line so now we can take a thousand feet above look at the offensive side of the ball and I think this is a good way to wrap up that topic here so let's start at number five who do you have as the fifth best performer you feel like on the offensive side of the ball this upcoming season I know this is kind of a cop-out I put slash uh, maybe so you, did I if I say if you want to call it a uh, an honorable mention slash whatever I put counsel in uh, DeAndre Jones I like th- I like the lineman's ability DeAndre Jones DeAndre Jones my fa- my fault yeah DeAndre Jones and counsel I like what they're like I like the I think counsel is more solidified in what I've seen. I just love the upside from Jones. And I think by the end of the year, his talent, I think he is going to be on that starting offensive line at the end of the day. And I think he's going to be a beast for Auburn. I don't disagree with you on counsel. And that's a sneaky one there with Keandre Jones. That's why I think he's more of the honorable mention. I think counsel is more solidified where counsel is far higher on my list, actually. Very good. I, I did more. I'll get to him I later. Did, I did more skill position, guys. I started off with the two linemen and then went skill position the rest of the way. But yeah, Council, he's the guy that I, I'm for sh- like not for sure, but I feel confident saying that he is going to be a key lineman and he's going to produce very well. Jones, I just hope I think, he doesn't. I just hope his injuries don't hold him back. That is the only thing that I lose confidence in him is the injuries. Other than that, I feel like he's going to bounce back. I think he's. I'm confident in saying that he's going to be a crucial and very good player on this offensive line. Jones was more of the upside pick. I think he has such and he has such potential to be a great guy on the offensive line as well from what you know the year 1 to year 2 leap as a starter. I I just like what the kid brings to the table. I think he did very well last year from what we saw from him talent-wise. I like this kid. I like what his ability is. I think that's why he's going to be more of my honorable mention and then council he'll be my number 5. I'm taking a leap of faith here at 5. This is a big leap of faith, considering we talked so poorly about the center position at Auburn a couple of days ago. But I am going to put Nick Brahms at five. And once again, this kind of goes with the point that I just made. Maybe I see Nick Brahms taking such a big step forward this year in comparison to his previous year's performances. I liked the way that Nick Brahms ended last year. I thought he showed some bright spots in the second half of the season. And I'm hoping with this new coaching staff, that they help develop and bring him along at that position because Auburn's offensive line will continue to be average if the center position continues to hinder the rest of the line. The guards have been hurt by the center position and then it just has crumbled from the inside out over the last... I feel like the last time Auburn had a solid center was 2017. And even back then, due to injuries, there was a revolving door around that offensive line, but you love that you have... 
You love that you had the Swiss Army knife that was Alex Kozan and some of those other guys on that line that could really play at multiple positions. Braden Smith could play at guard or tackle. So there was a lot of versatility on that line back then. I don't know if I see as much versatility on this line as I did in the past. And Nick Brahms, I think, is a sure starter at center. I'm expecting him to get better because this coaching staff has to know that the center position, and every coaching staff knows how important the center position is. I think they know that development and a big step forward has to happen at this spot for Auburn's offensive line to be successful and then the rest of their offense to be successful because you need the big uglies up front helping you out in the running game. You need them helping you in pass protection. I think with Nick Brahms having been on this team three, four seasons now, he's an upperclassman. He's got the most experience on this offensive line now coming back. I'm going to take Nick Brahms here at five to be an He's going to have a much better year than we've seen, so I'm going to put him as a top performer on this football team next year. A lot of people out there may be like, man, you're crazy, but I don't, I don't I like di- this guy. I don't disagree with you. I think that's actually fair because for Auburn to be successful, Nick Brahms is going to have to be successful. And, I think and I'm that, banking on Auburn being successful next year in year one. Yeah, I, I think, think Auburn can be an eight or nine win team, and some folks out there are just like, did you just say that's successful? Year one with year one with the lean lean amount. We keep saying it's going to be a lean year in terms of talent for Auburn. I, I eight or nine wins I think is a win to start off this coaching staff with the and I'm talking regular season. I'm not yeah. talking about with the bowl game. I think Auburn has a, has the way the schedule sets up. I think Auburn can win nine regular season games next year. That I would deem to be a success. I really do, especially if you beat Penn State and you go four and zero across the non conference slate. I think Auburn's got a really good shot to go nine and three I, I think the schedule sets up for them to handle business against LSU to open SEC play possibly go five and three maybe even a little bit better and just lose to Georgia and Alabama in SEC play I, I think Auburn's probably looking at the SEC West I'm expecting A&M to be down this year I think Auburn probably is going into SEC play this year I, I don't think it's a stretch to say they're the second best SEC West school no, I don't think so at all. I mean, I think that there's... You want a few teams that has a quarterback coming there's, out in there's this a, conference? Yeah, there's only a few teams that I feel confident saying could finish second in the SEC West. Like, I, and I Auburn's like, one of them. Auburn's one of them. A&M just because I think... Because you know they recruit the talent to be able to yep. at least sustain a, an eight-win season every year, you know? Yeah. I, and I think that could be good enough for second in the SEC West I this year that. because... I am super underwhelmed by a lot of these teams in this conference it's, coming back. It's very top. I mean, it's Alabama, and then the gap is astronomic in the SEC West. It's Alabama, and then who else? The other thing about Nick Proms is, look, the guy's got a ton of experience, and he's the only guy who is really yep. a true natural fit at his position when you look at the other guys on the offensive line. We'll be back with more of the show. we got Christian Clemente coming up on the other side of this break. Stay with us here on On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. We're going to head to the phone lines now. We got Christian Comente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman with us. Christian, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing good. How about yourself, Noah? I mean, I don't know how anybody could be doing other than good on this fine NCAA tournament day one. I know technically yesterday was day one, but you got basketball all day long. Are you enjoying the festivities? Oh, I am having a blast. This is my favorite time of the year. March Madness is my favorite sporting event, so I am eating this up right now. Well, just a, just a side note out there for folks, and I would imagine that you're probably not super locked into this 
one coming on, but we've tried to keep people updated. Baylor and Hartford just now tipping off on True TV for folks out there if they are concerned with that game for whatever reason. But uh, I, I would not expect us to uh, for anybody in this room to be in that boat. Christian, has anything surprised you today about the NCAA tournament so far? So far, it hasn't been overly surprising. Um, the Colgate-Arkansas game was good. I picked Arkansas to win that game, but I did think Colgate had a chance. And, you know, Colgate showed that they had a chance, and then they ultimately blew it. But so far, it's been pretty cut and dry. I've been enjoying the Texas Tech-Utah State game. I actually have Texas Tech in my final four, so it was a little stressful. But Texas Tech is pulling away now, so I feel a little more comfortable. Christian, who do you have winning? Uh, Right now, I have Illinois winning. I've got Illinois playing Gonzaga, which I know it's one versus one, but I do have Texas Tech and LSU in my final four. So I've got some higher seeds in my final four. I've got a bracket with LSU. It sets up well for them if they beat beat Michigan. I could see that happening. I appreciate the hot takes. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like LSU is just a team that can score so well. They're going to be a team that's hard to stop in March Madness. But I could also see them losing to St. Bonnie's tomorrow, so we'll just have to see. That's so true. That is so true. Some of those 8-9 games, very, very tricky this year, as they typically are. And, and I could see I could see any of those going anyway. You know, Wisconsin, North Carolina tonight, and then Loyola-Chicago, Georgia Tech, and then the LSU-St. Bonaventure game. I mean, I, I could see... I can see any of those going anyway. Let's stay on the topic of basketball, though, but let's kind of bring it to Auburn basketball. We've we've seen a slew of players transfer now. Justin, pa- Justin Powell's gone. Turbo Jones is gone. Javon Franklin, Jamal Johnson. Four players have transferred down to the Auburn basketball program in the last year. Is there cost to, is is there cost for concern with the Auburn basketball program, or do you think this is just more about minutes? No, I don't think there's any cause for concern. The only one that I think really damages Auburn's hope of competing for an SEC title and a national title next year is Justin Powell, which that was just kind of an unfortunate circumstance with the concussion and then wanting to be back closer to home and stuff like that. But I think Javon Franklin, it was kind of a situation where there's really no minutes for him. And I think he is a talented enough player where he can go to maybe a smaller school and get a lot of minutes and start. So for him, it makes a lot of sense to go. And I think him leaving is honestly better for Auburn because Auburn needed that scholarship spot to get a guard and then as for Jamal Johnson, I think Jamal Johnson is a good player, but he's not exactly what Auburn is looking for and what they need in the backcourt right now. They need more of a true point guard, whether Shreve Cooper leaves or not. So I think him leaving will be fine. They'll get maybe the guy from Penn State, or they'll wait for some other transfer targets. I really don't think there's any cause for concern for Auburn right now. And bring again, obviously, two top-tier players when you're talking about the recruiting class, but also recently – just getting the transfer signature of Zepp Jasper out of College of Charleston. What does he add to the Tiger program? Yeah, he's going to be a really solid, I don't think he'll be the starting point guard, but he seems like he'll be a guy who will be the backup point guard next year. Maybe he'll start at the two and then play backup point guard. He's a little bit of a combo guard. He can score the ball well. He's a solid shooter. And probably more importantly, as we saw this year, he's a very strong defender. Charleston said that he was one of the best defenders in the country. I haven't gotten a chance to watch his film yet, but I'm planning to. But they think that he is a very, very good defender. And we saw Auburn struggle with that this year. So if he can come on and help out and be a strong defender, that'll really help out him and potentially Alan Flanagan, too, who he can take a little bit little bit of pressure off of Flanagan, who had to do a lot this year. Speaking with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsmen, this hasn't happened in quite some time, but Auburn football opening up practice to the public tomorrow what do you expect to see at practice tomorrow from Auburn 
yeah, it'll be really interesting. I think, you know, hat tip to Darren Usher. This was a fantastic idea by him to get around the recruiting dead period because recruits can come to practice tomorrow and they're anticipating a couple of commits and a couple of guys who are uncommitted to also come to practice along with the fans, obviously. But it's kind of a nice little sideway around being able to get recruits on campus and watching practice. So hat tip to Darren Usher for that. I really don't know how much they're going to show at practice, but I do think nonetheless it's still a very good idea to open up to the public, get the recruits in. Um, We just had a player media availability. Tank Bigsby was talking about how excited he is to have some fans out there watching and just kind of get a fun atmosphere during practice. So I think all around it's a good idea. Before we get to what the players said today at media availability, do you know what the structure is like for practice tomorrow or, or have they not said anything about that? They haven't really said anything. It was, I mean, they announced it on what, I think it was Wednesday. So it's kind of a little bit of a last second announcement. They really haven't said anything. They've just said gates open at 11, go through gate 12, and then practice starts at 1130. So so it very possibly know, could end up not being a scrimmage. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if I would expect a scrimmage. I think it might just be more of kind of a structured practice, but sure. we'll see. I honestly know just as much as everybody that saw it on Twitter. We haven't heard anything else. So, Well, let's get to that media availability then with some of these players that spoke today. Tank Bigsby on the offensive side of the ball and then some defensive players as well. Jacoby McLean, Smoke Monday, a part of that group. Let's stay on the offensive side of the ball here. What did Tank Bigsby have to say this afternoon? Yeah, Tank Bigsby was talking a little bit about the running back room. He was saying that even though they are a little shorthanded, they don't have as much depth as they had last year. He feels really confident in them. He said Devin Barrett, who moved back to running back after playing a little bit of wide receiver and then going over to defense. He said that he's been really good back at his original position of running back. And then he just said he's really looking forward to trying to become one of those next great Auburn running backs. He said he talks with Cadillac all the time about trying to be that next great running back, and he thinks that he will be able to be one. So he's really looking forward to his sophomore season. Do you want to talk about the linebackers? Owen Papo was talking about how excited they are. What, what's the energy around that linebacking room right now? Yeah, I think they're really excited. You know, you have that really strong duo in Zacoby McLean and Owen Papo, and they get a veteran back in Chandler Wooten. I don't know how much he'll play, but they do get him. They have TD Moultrie, who's moving back to inside linebacker. I honestly have no clue what to expect with that, but the players seem to think that he'll be a big contributor for them this year. And then you have Cam Riley, Wesley Steiner, and then Desmond Tisdall, who's hurt right now, but he's a guy I think can contribute. So they have a very deep and a very talented linebacker room. Um, And they are – Owen Papo's exact quote was that they're champing at the bit to be able to play under Derek Mason. They love Derek Mason. They love his system so far, and they're really excited to be able to play under him. Speaking with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman here with us on the line – what did Zacoby McLean maybe have to say today? I know he was on the podium, Owen Papo, a couple of days ago. What was Zacoby McLean saying today? Yeah, Zacoby's always a little quiet. He was quiet today, but he was kind of reiterating a lot of the same stuff that Owen said, that he was just excited to play. Um, one of the interesting things was brought up that T. Will's no longer here and how he was close with T. Will, but he did say he likes Jeff Schmetting a lot, the new uh, inside linebacker coach, and that he thinks Jeff Schmetting is a really good coach who's very fundamental base, but he thinks that he's a cool guy and that they'll be able to learn a lot from him. 
And then Smoke Monday was was the other player who was on the podium today. And you say that Zacoby McLean is a quiet guy. Well, on the football field, Smoke Monday maybe not as much. Was he uh, was he a chatty Cathy today, or was he just kind of uh, playing it cool? Yeah, no, he was playing it a little cool. Not quite as loud as he is on the field, but he did give us some interesting information that Ladarius Tennyson has actually been playing a lot of safety for them in practice so far, which he was the starter at nickel last year. Um, and a lot of people thought, you know, maybe Chris Thompson Jr. would line up next to Smoke Monday at safety, but it sounds like so far it's kind of a mix of Chris Thompson and um, Ladarius Tennyson. And then also that Nehemiah Pritchett has been playing a lot of the nickel with Tennyson back at safety. So we're kind of seeing that secondary take a little bit of form. We'll see if that ends up sticking. He did say players are just kind of playing at different positions like they usually would in sprint practice just to get some extra reps in different areas. But that is an interesting um, different kind of setup that I didn't expect. But when you have so many talented cornerbacks like they do, they had to find a way to kind of move some of them around. So, Christian, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on the show with us today. Tell everybody where they can find all the great content you're putting out. Yeah, you can find my work at theplainsman.com and auburnsports.com, along with uh, on Twitter at Clemente underscore. Quick question to you. Um, Auburn baseball is playing Ole Miss this weekend. Will you be covering that, or will uh, someone else on the uh, – where, where can people maybe go and find some of that coverage for uh, Auburn baseball taking on Ole Miss in Oxford? Yeah, so I think Brian Matthews is going to be covering that for us. Um, he's on Twitter at bmatau. And then over at AuburnSports.com. I think he's handling all the baseball stuff this weekend. Great. Christian, I really appreciate it, my man. I hope you enjoy uh, what, what should be a national holiday today. I know it's not, but uh, I, I, I hope you enjoy the NCAA tournament action and, and have a great weekend, bud. Hey, you guys enjoy it as well. That was Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsmen. Actually, as we were talking about Auburn football practice being held open we received more information of it straight to my inbox the press release uh they're coming from auburn football's communications department auburn football to hold open practice at jordan Hare stadium some information about this that we already knew once again gates open at 11 practice begins at 11 30 it's open and free to the public gate 12 on the west side of the stadium will open at 11 a.m that's where you're supposed to enter mask and physical distancing will be a requirement for all fans in attest- in attendance uh, parking is available in the arena, campus, safety, and coliseum lots. Fans are asked to sit in sections 1 through 11 on the west side of the stadium and physically distance themselves from those outside of their household. Bottled drinks are going to be available for purchase at the stadium as well. And then they provide a list of items that are prohibited from being brought into the venue artificial noisemakers, camera with lenses over four inches, non-clear bags, outside food or drink, pets, stadium seats with arms, umbrellas, video cameras, and then, of course, weapons, including pocket knives. So uh, there's some information about practice tomorrow for Auburn football. Is there a cap on uh, attendance? Yeah, you kind of wonder when they limit it to sections 1 through 11. I thought that, you know, with, with it being open and free to the entire public, that maybe, if, especially if they're encouraging social distancing that it would have made sense to open it up to the entire stadium but apparently it's just sections one through 11 and that's the first time we've seen any of that information well i'm i'm assuming if you guys want to go and participate you need to get up early and try to be there because it does seem that if they're limiting to those sections there might be they might have to stop people from coming in since they haven't so you think a lot of people are going tomorrow i would assume so i mean it's a big deal i mean i assume i don't know i assume a lot of people want to go 
I'm not expecting just because a I, ton of people. Just because I'm someone Sting who, raises his hand and says, yeah, I'm going to be there. Just because I'm someone who doesn't want to go watch practice, I feel like I'm the minority here. I feel like more people want to go see it than, you know, say someone like me who does not want to go watch practice. I'm going to go, and I'm going to enjoy it, but I, I, don't, I would not say that you're in the minority for maybe not necessarily wanting to go to practice. You also have to think so many people come from out of town to come and witness Auburn sporting events and things like that. I don't That's think true. people are going to be driving from out of town to come and see practice. I think this is going to be kind of an Auburn Opelika community thing. I just don't know. I don't know how many people are actually going to That's get fair. out there. So I, I you know, I'm, I, looking I'm going to trust Auburn's judgment on that and I'm, keep I'm it in sections forward. one through eleven. Keep keep an eye on that for me tomorrow when you're there. Tell you know, keep me updated with how many people were there. But that you is know. still like pretty much one half or like one side of the stadium. So like maybe they'll open maybe they'll open another one up if. They have a you know high influx of people, and they're like, "Oh, That's we true. gotta get these people in." So I, I'm not sure. I, I'm interested. That's another thing I'm interested to see how they're gonna handle that because that could be a precursor for things to come throughout, you know, the next season. I'm hoping by then there will be some sort of you know lax or, or a bit more lax in terms of the amount of people that can come with vaccinations being rolled out and whatnot. Some NCAA tournament scores here before we go to break. Texas Tech about to put away Utah State at 65 to 50. That game in the final 26 seconds of the game, it's now 65 to 53. But, but I mean, there's there's no time left. 26 seconds left and counting over on TNT. So Texas Tech going to advance over Utah State to that second round. Uh, possible 15-2 upset here. Oral Roberts is up on Ohio State in the final 20 seconds of the first half. Woo. First half, it's 36-33 on the eve of halftime between Oral Roberts and Ohio State. And then Hartford on top of Baylor, six minutes through that ballgame or five minutes through that ballgame, 14-43 in the first half over on True TV. Hartford leading Baylor 7-6. I'm going to say it. No. Frauds. No. No. Baylor, frauds. These these high seeds, like one and two seeds, even Arkansas at the they've three all, line, they've all, they've all started early. slow. Yeah. Even in the first half, this Oral Roberts score, I, I'm going to guess it will – it will soon pass, and, and Ohio State will grab control of it. But that's just, that's we'll how see. it goes because you have these teams that are the lower seeded teams are typically you know smaller mid major schools that are coming out. They're like, hey, we got a good chance to play one of these big dogs. They come out, they give it their all. It just can't hold throughout a game against the talent that they're playing against, and you see that time and time again in the tournament. We're going to add to a quick break here on On the Line, and when we come back, we'll wrap up our number one here. What's on TV tonight coming up? We'll also dig into some Auburn baseball. They're taking on the fourth-ranked Ole Miss Rebels. Alabama baseball taking on Arkansas as well this weekend. Arkansas as high as number one in some polls. It's an exciting weekend as SEC play opens, and we will get you prepped and primed for that here on On the Line. Wrapping up hour number one of On the Line, Noah Garner, Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on FoxSports983.com and on Facebook, that's FoxSports983.com. Before we wrap up the first hour of the show here, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. 
Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. The NCAA tournament is here, and I imagine it is going to dominate televisions today. Into the second grouping of games, two-seed Ohio State takes the floor against Oral Roberts at 2 on CBS. 2.30 on True TV, one-seed Baylor at 16-seed Hartford. At 3 on TBS, fan favorite Loyola Chicago will play the ACC champions in Georgia Tech. 3.30 on TNT, Tennessee and Oregon State will play. Early evening games feature Liberty, Oklahoma State at 5.25 on TBS, Wisconsin, North Carolina, at 610 on CBS. Cleveland State Houston at 615 on True TV. North Texas Purdue at 625 on TNT. The last grouping of games begins at 820 with Rutgers Clemson on TBS. At 840, popular Cinderella San Diego State will play Syracuse on CBS. Over on True TV at 850, Moorhead State versus West Virginia. And at 857 to wrap up the night, Winthrop against Villanova on TNT. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. A lot of NCAA tournament action going on. Just some updates about what's going on in the NCAA tournament. Oral Roberts, Ohio State at halftime, 36-33. to Hartford with a two-point lead on Baylor, 10-8 to right now. That's a 16-1 game. They're eight minutes into the first half. This is not like within the first four minutes and it's 10-8. This, is, this has gone on for about half of that first half there, and Hartford has limited Baylor to only eight points. Baylor's one of the top shooting teams in the country. Levi, I know you're about to say frauds. This is shocking to see this carry on like this for so long. Ten to eight, Hartford in front of Baylor right now. If Hart if Hartford ends up beating Baylor, I am going to be unbearable running victory laps around everybody talking about the frauds, the Baylor Bears. If that happens, it's er- I, it's not early in terms of the minutes in the first half, but it's still the first half. I expect Baylor to actually like get it together and come back. But if they don't, oh, I'm going to be unbearable. Pun intended. Unbear. <laughs> I don't expect I don't expect Baylor to make it to the title game playing like that <laughs> period I don't I don't expect them to make it to the title game I, I just do you have them in your any of your final or no you I only do pick have one them in my final four I do have them in the final four but I do not expect them to make it to the title game I don't want to talk about who I've got in the title game because people are going to think I'm crazy and I really just I don't want to get into it once once the final four comes around we will reveal what happened we will reveal what our bracket had I have multiple. You have the one that you locked in your true one, not your, you know, coin flip and mascot brackets, but like your one legitimate one. I've got a couple scattered throughout the universe and all of its glory. So we'll just go through and see if either of us got anything right. We can reflect on what we got wrong. We'll see that when that comes to. But uh, right now we're not going to, you know, go into that because I don't want to jinx anything. (laughs) Last segment here before we head to hour number two. We got a couple minutes. Auburn baseball taking on Ole Miss this weekend. Starting rotation found this to be interesting when we got the press release. The probables for Auburn this weekend. There's still a TBA over on Sunday, which has not been the case for the last couple of weekends. Makes me wonder if some arms are becoming available that were not previously available. We know Richard Fitz pitched on the Tuesday game against Lipscomb out in Nashville and he threw about 40 pitches or so a little bit more than 40 pitches so I would imagine he's available this weekend it's just is he still available when Sunday rolls around Auburn's rotation this weekend senior righty Cody Greenhill 2-0 with a 1.88 ERA he is on Friday going against junior righty Gunnier I said that weird Gunner Hoagland Gunnier Gunnier (laughs) it might it might be like that if you were to if you were to go to like 
that 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 is that is kind of like a Nordic name, right? Like uh, like up in Scandinavia, I feel like I've I've heard that before. Well, Gunnar Hoagland actually does kind of sound like it's Scandinavian, but junior right-handed pitcher, two and zero with a three point oh four ERA, and then on Saturday it'll be sophomore righty Mason Barnett, two and zero zero point five one ERA who has been dealing and has emerged as a potential candidate to stay in this starting rotation. He'll go against sophomore right-handed pitcher Drew McDaniel with a 2-0, 1.80 Sunday guy for Ole Miss, Derek Diamond, 1-2, 5 ERS. That's what the probables look like this weekend. I wonder who is going to emerge on Sunday. I think that has a big part to see how today's game against Ole Miss does to see how many arms go for Auburn. That first pitch today at 6.30 p.m. Hour number two of On the Line coming up. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. You are On the Line, live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you in our studio in Auburn, Alabama, 3 p.m. We got one more hour to go, but that won't end the local sports talk. You still got the drive with Bill Cameron following us once again at 4. That's from 4 to 6 p.m. And then Auburn baseball in action tonight as well. You'll be able to find that somewhere Friday at 6.30 that is first pitch for the first game of the series. So obviously today is Friday, 6.30 p.m. first pitch. Tomorrow's game, 1.30, Sunday, 1.30. And also, I'm sure your your eyes are glued right now to NCAA tournament action all day long on your TV. I mean, so, I mean that's what I'm over here doing. I'm looking at my phone. I'm, I keep scrolling for updates. We have the updates. TV on in the studio. We got the TV. I've got my laptop set up. Some, like I've got everything going on in the studio. We are watching it. We are prepared. We absolutely love it. It's the best time of the year. I mean, you've got spring you got spring practice kicking off for college football. You've got March Madness going on. The NBA is ramping up. The NHL is ramping up. NFL free agency. The draft comes next month. Man, there's so much going on. But the most important thing we all know right now is March Madness and the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I'm moseying my way over to TBS now to be able to watch Loyola Chicago taking on Georgia Tech. What that was that? Game. What, what, did you hear that? you're just gonna do that this entire month until until the until the georgia tech until they lose and, until georgia tech loses which could be today they have a tough matchup against loyola chicago and they're without moses Wright. but i'm i love i love alvarado i think he is a i'll say it veteran guard play tenacious <sighs> d you know you know the cliches that everybody throws out the they are just a balanced team that can score. We hit on that earlier. You also got ACC tournament MVP Michael DeVoe as well for for Georgia Tech. There's still plenty of help. I I, I think I, GT wins as well. I think so too. I, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't, but I think they do. I mean, what's going to happen? Sister Jean going to go out there and play? I mean, okay. Oral Roberts in Ohio State at halftime, 36-33. That's over on CBS. And then on True TV, 747 in the first Hartford with a one point lead over Baylor. 
That's right. You heard that. 14 to 13. <laughs> I'm just blown away by, right now. Every time you say it, as you look over at it me and I'm last. just smiling. It won't last. Let, then, me, let me just enjoy it while I can, okay? Games that have gone final. Florida started off the day today with the first win of the round of 64. They beat Virginia Tech in overtime. That's been the best game of the day. 75-70 after Virginia Tech with like 1.7 seconds left. Hit a three to tie it and send it to overtime. And then Florida won it in OT outright. Arkansas beat Colgate 85-68. to That's a big win there considering Colgate was leading deep into the second half. I think there was about 13, I shouldn't say deep, but about midway through the second half, Colgate had a lead. Arkansas pulled away, ended up winning that game 85-68. Illinois thumped Drexel 78-49. That one was pretty close throughout the majority of the first half. You wouldn't know that by looking at it in the second half score, 78-49. Once again, Illinois advances. And then most recently going final, Texas Tech defeats Utah State 65-53 to to advance to the round of 32. Those are the only four games that have gone final. Oral Roberts, Ohio State, and Hartford Baylor in action. Loyola, Chicago, and Georgia Tech getting started uh, coming up about uh it's coming up pretty soon it was set to come on at, at three it looks like the new start time will be at 315 so that one can be found on tbs that's 9c georgia tech against 8c loyola chicago then at 330 on tnt 12 seed oregon state 5c tennessee which i'm expecting tennessee to pull that one out as well let's switch gears here to some auburn football talk is auburn football having an open practice tomorrow to the public that's fun news to talk about obviously that's older news now as that was announced on wednesday let's go back to ranking our top five performers on the offensive side of the ball we did that in our first segment of the show today or our second segment excuse me and we've only done one where we've got our fifth one out there i went with nick brahms levi who'd you go with brandon council i went with brandon council with a with a slight honorable mention to keandre jones and these are ranking our top five performers on the offensive side of the ball for next season. We are predicting it. This kind of goes in conjunction with our 8A depth chart series where we've been predicting our depth charts for each of the different position groups on the football team. We've been doing once a week all the way up until April 17th. We're halfway through it now because we put the offense in the books. Next week, we'll be doing the defense with the defensive line. We just finished the offensive line this week, so it's a good way to wrap up talking about the offense here, ranking and predicting the top five performance on the offensive side of the ball. So once again, recapping that, I had Nick Brahms at five. You had Brandon Council at five. Now on to four, and I'm going to go ahead and go here. Kobe Hudson at four for me. I think we see a team effort, a community effort from the receiver room, but I expect Kobe Hudson to receive the most targets and to receive the most work of that group because I believe he is going to thrive the most in that intermediate passing game, you know, anywhere between 8 to 17 yards down the field. If I, you know, if I don't want to be complicated, we'll just say 10 to 20 yards down the field is where I expect Kobe Hudson to thrive, really a little bit, you know, closer to 15 yards rather than the 20. I think he's going to be the starter over at the Z position or the flanker. I don't think his role is going to be blowing the top off of defenses or anything like Anthony Schwartz did at that position. I think the role of the flanker changes a little bit. He's going to be a consistent pair of hands in the passing game that is going to catch a lot of passes. He's going to provide a little bit more of what Eli Stove provided Auburn with security, a security blanket receiver that you know is going to catch passes like his route running. I think he's going to thrive in this Mike Bobo and Brian Harson offense that focuses on getting players the football 
in that intermediate zone and in between the hashes and that seems to me to be what Kobe Hudson does best at any of the out of any of these receivers I expect him to do well and he'd be a top performer on this offensive side of the ball I think he is just going to eat up receptions and if he can get some yak after he catches the ball I think he's going to have a lot of yards as well I agree with you I think he, I have him at three actually so I'll, I can go ahead and talk about him a little bit right now since we're on his topic I think he's going to be intermediate short passing game I think he's going like I said a lot of receptions coming for this guy I think he probably breaks out he in my opinion I think he's he has the most potential to be the receiver one in terms of receptions and yardage just because I like his talent I think he's sure-handed he's not going to wow anybody over the top he's not going to be Anthony Schwartz killing you with speed but I think he's going to consistently catch the ball again in intermediate to short passing game and if he can get some yak those yards are going to start piling up and for yak yards after catch if anybody does not know that terminology you know how the good old days unfortunately today's generation I feel like in school when they throw up a trash ball shot into a trash can they say Steph or something stupid like that but the real OG generation yep. always did a fadeaway saying Kobe as they threw a, a piece of trash into a trash can I'm hoping that when we throw the football to Kobe Hudson people and spectators around the stadium and around the country watching on television say Kobe as they throw him the football or maybe even Bo Nix as he's throwing the football says Kobe every time he throws the ball I'm hoping that becomes a trend I agree with that what so, a name for wide receiver Kobe Hudson what a name I'm here for him. Kobe's a great name in general so for my number four since I said Kobe was my Kobe Hudson was my number three my number four I actually put tight end one I don't know who the tight Whoever end one is. is going to be. You think they're going to be a top performer? I think so. I, and, okay. I, and I'm and i not sure. I have this weird feeling that J.J. Pegues is going to like be on the field and be a monster. I don't know why. It, 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 I have nothing to support it. It's just like this weird random feeling that I have, which is leaning towards I'm going to be being, keeping my eyes on him tomorrow at practice. That's that's what I'm I'm going to be looking for that tomorrow. That's one thing that I want to hear from you know and see from everybody. How did J.J. Pegues do? Where does he fit? He gained some weight. Is he going to maybe play some line? Is he going to be more of a blocking tight end? Because if he's a blocking tight end, you saw Rob Gronkowski came out this year, and a lot of people said, hey, he didn't really have that spectacular of a year in terms of stats, but he was an incredible run blocker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if you want to go with the New Orleans Saints, Adam Troutman, he was the highest-graded run blocking tight end, I believe, this year. You can find a career Especially, like you can you can have a successful season without being a pass catcher, and I could see that for JJ Pegues. They like uh, Shanker. Uh, Harson's already said that he likes the dude's work ethic. Where does he fit in this offense? It might be him. So I'm not sure who the tight end one's going to be, but I think they get involved, whether it be the passing game or the blocking game. I think more so. I'm looking forward to a guy stepping up in the run in the uh, pass catching game, but also run blocking is important from the tight end position. If you can see a guy like JJ Pegues come out there and you know throw the hammer out there and just pancake guys left and right create holes that's I know we're thinking of performance and we're thinking of yards catches touchdowns blocking leads to those things for other people as well so I I think tight end one whoever that may be I think they'll end up being a top performer this year as well I might have thought about the tight end position for a split second but I didn't give it too much credence I do think it steps up a bit this year but Based on Brian Harson's comments earlier this week in his Monday press conference and him not really knowing what he's got at tight end, I think Auburn uses the tight end, but I think it's more of a community approach because they all do different things well. 
you know, to a degree. I don't know if Auburn has a great tight end on their roster at the moment. Nobody's shown that ability. None of them have really shown that they're by-the-book modern-day pass-catching tight ends that excel in that role. We kind of just don't know enough about the position right now for me to say that there's going to be anybody who's just going to emerge as a top performer because I don't know if you see an all-around talent at tight end at the moment. So I'm a little bit cooler on that. But, hey, if Auburn has a beast at tight end, that's going to really make this offense more robust to have someone be able to be involved. That's, it's, it's always great to have multiple weapons at multiple position groups that can catch the football, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers. If you can have a pass catcher at all three of those layers of your offense, you instantly become a much tougher team to cover and it makes your passing game so much better. So that would be huge if Auburn has a top performer out of the tight end position. We'll just have to see how that unfolds. Three for me, I'm going back to the offensive line. Brandon Council, I love this guy. He's good. He's really good. I'm just hoping, really hoping that his injuries that have him out for the spring is not going to plague him going into this season. I agree with that. And that's something that we talked about earlier with him. I think he is a he's the most confident lineman I have with saying that I think he's going to perform and be a performer if, big if, the injuries don't hamper him. I believe he's going to come back strong. I believe he's going to come back and be just a stronghold on that offensive line for Auburn. As long as the injuries don't hamper him too bad, I don't think they will. I agree with you. I think he's going to be one of the top guys. You know, I had him at five, but honestly, he could be as high as three. I agree with that he's as well. He's the best offensive lineman. He's the best offensive line we have. He's the best one that we have coming in that we know for a fact that we know what we're getting out of him as long as injuries don't uh, hinder him. But I still like Keandre Jones for that potential, man. I feel like he's going to be a beast this year, too. I just don't know for a fact. And your three was Kobe Hudson. Yes. So let's get into the top two here. And I would imagine that we have both the same players in the top I know two. The, I know the number one is going to be the same for a fact. Are you sure? I, I would assume Because I switched so. mine right before the show. Uh-oh. I pulled a little cup trick on you. Oh, no. So who is your number two? I've got Bo Nix as my number two. Oh, I it think, is the same. Okay, it is the same. I've got Bo Nix as my number two. Honestly, I could see him being number one as well. Bo Nix could... Well, re- let's change this discussion then to Bo Nix versus Tank Bigsby. Which is this offense built around? The QB or the running back? I think they're going to build it around the running game which in turn means that it will be Tank Bigsby. You might see Bo Nix have better performances, but I think the overall focus is going to be around Tank Bigsby. And he's obviously going to have better stats because the offense, the ball's in the hands of the quarterback every single play. Yes. Regardless, you know, and and Bo Nix can run too. He can throw. I think he's going to have a much better season this year, Bo Nix, that is. But I like what you said. The offense is going to be built around, I think the offense is built around Tank Bigsby. I I don't know how you watched last year's film. And don't think, man, I need to build my offense around what this guy can do at running back. Obviously, you don't want to get him hurt, and you don't want to give him so many touches that that happens. But I don't know how you watch last year's film for Auburn football and think, this guy does not deserve more than 20 touches a ball game. You can't. Which Auburn wasn't getting him. You can't. You have to look at this guy and say, we need to get him 20-plus touches every single game and build the offense around him because he is the best player on the offensive side of the ball get him going, get him involved, make the defense cheat up a little bit. I mean, he can contribute an additional 30 to 50 receiving yards a game that, again, in addition to, to his rushing yards we, that he's going to put on. We've been so big about that as well. We yeah. want to see him get involved in the passing game a lot more than he was. But, yeah, I'm, I'm big on getting the run established and getting the defense to cheat up. All that can do is help Bo Nix. Get him out on some boots, get him out on some waggles and stuff like that from the play action, make him feel more comfortable, and have him – 
sometimes when uh, if the line's been a problem like it has been, you get the fake going on. They draw the attention to Tank Bigsby. Bo Nix is going to have an easier time to complete down the field. Going to head to a quick break here on On the Line. When we come back, we talk NCAA tournament action here on the show. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. We are taking your calls. Once again, 334-321-1390. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. The Max Roundtable, On the Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, Analysis, News, and more. Seven hours of local sports talk. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. Got about 40 minutes left in the show, and then it'll be the drive with Bill Cameron following us as they do every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. As promised, taking you through some of what happened in the NCAA tournament today and also previewing the action to come. A look back at some finals so far today. Florida defeating Virginia Tech in overtime 75-70. to Arkansas knocking off Colgate 85-68 it's been all chalk here so far 78-49 win for Illinois over Drexel and then Texas Tech in the 6-11 spot they were struggling with Utah State in the first half were trailing at halftime and they come out and dominate the second half even had a 24-9 run at one point Texas Tech taking down Utah State 65-53 live action right now CBS 1447 left in the second half. Oral Roberts on top of Ohio State right now, 45-42. If you had Ohio State going far, you might be sweating right now because there's a potential 15-2 upset there. Baylor has now, they're heating up. They're beating Hartford now, 31-20. Hartford had a lead all the way, you know, past 10 minutes in that first half. Well, now down with two minutes and six seconds left in the first half on True TV. Baylor now up by 11 on Hartford, 31-20. It's been quite some time since Hartford has scored the basketball with some consistency there and then just getting started now on TBS 17:35 left in the first Georgia Tech up now 7 to 3 on Loyola Chicago things going well for the Yellow Jackets early Man, he's really going to do that all March and into April, however just, long Georgia I, Tech lives. Y'all better hope they get put out today. I'll do it every day from no, here on out. I just I hope they lose over the weekend on Sunday <laughs> to to Illinois. To keep That's why I got keep my bracket, bracket. Yeah. yeah win today but uh because i'd like the i'd like the first round point there but you know at the end of the day if you lose somebody that that you had losing in the round of 32 today it doesn't really matter for your bracket the way you win your bracket pools did how many of the sweet 16 teams did you get how many of the elite eight teams how many of the final four and then did you get your champion like that's the, cha- how the you champion's win. a big one it, it is a big, a big one. one i've seen people who have had just abysmal brackets but they pick the champion and the champion just comes out for them and that was the approach that i took this year i went and found some information about the last 35 tournaments actually that's you know there was actually several articles that had this and the stats all checked out a verified it stat you know you know fact checked across all three this is this was tried and true information and i was able to get the percentages for each round as to you know how many seeds per year does that or or how, how many times does this seed make it to this round per tournament right so so like after the first round obviously one seeds have won 139 out of 140 games that they've played over the last 35 years in the first round obviously UMBC was the one team to knock off 
Virginia in a 16-1 matchup. That means on average, four one seeds are advancing every year. So you put through all the one seeds, you know what I mean? And so, so on and so forth when you're picking your bracket, I based it on the percent chance that that specific seed advanced to that round, right? And I stuck to those parameters and it produced a pretty interesting bracket, but I, I was pretty happy with what with what came out. So I've gone Zaga winning it all. I think they're I think they have the best chance to win it out of everybody else. I just went through and just randomly filled out a bunch of them. That's fair. That's if what most th- people do. If you throw enough at the wall, something's got to stick. I took a mathematical approach this year, different than the typical mathematical approach that I take. But it, my argument is based on strong mathematical logic and the trends over the last 35 years of the NCAA tournament. And we'll see how it, how, how it plays out. Some fun games coming up tonight. Th- that's when the action really heats up. 12-seed Oregon State against 5-seed Tennessee. 13-seed Liberty against 4-seed Oklahoma State. Watch out. Watch out for the Flames. Wisconsin-North Carolina appears to be an excellent ball game. That's something that you see in Elite Eights in brackets in previous yeah. years. Now you get it first round with two teams that have been down over the last couple of years. But 9-seed Wisconsin, 8-seed North, uh, North Carolina. 15-2 matchup, Cleveland State-Houston. 13-4, North Texas-Purdue. Rutgers-Clemson, a 10-7 game there where I've got Rutgers pulling an upset on Clemson. 11-seed Syracuse against 6-seed San Diego State. 14-seed Moorhead State against 3-seed West Virginia. And then 12-seed Winthrop and 5-seed Villanova wrap up the night over at is, 9 p.m. Is it really an upset if Rutgers is favored in that game? That is, they, they, aren't they the only team that is a lower seed that is favored to win in the entire tournament i think so from what i looked at last night they were the only one that i saw that they were the lower seed but they were also favored because again i went through and picked every one at least for yesterday and today's game i haven't picked my game for tomorrow yet but i from what i saw at least from today's game i don't think there was a higher seed that was an underdog if that makes sense which i get it the big 10 has been great they've been a power conference acc been a little bit down this year i can understand why but i'm gonna roll with you on that one i do think rutgers gets the win and you're talking about seed upsets a 10 beating a seven that's that's rutgers i, I think that one's a good one to take the left side of my bracket's pretty chalk the right side of my bracket is uh is filled with some upsets through the first day or two i, I really don't have a whole lot uh, look once i get to the sweet 16 you know typically you're not seeing someone you know typically it's seven seed or higher in the sweet 16 round when you're talking about percentages then you get to the elite eight and it's and it's even chalkier than that so at the end of the day chalk ends up reigning supreme in brackets uh for the most part what i mean by chalk i don't don't necessarily always mean the higher seed winning or the better seed winning but higher seeds are are going to advance farther obviously so I, i try to restrict on not allowing someone higher than a seven to get to get into my sweet 16 typically because it just doesn't happen that often you might just get one team in there that goes that far but it's so hard to project which low seed is going to make it into the sweet 16 so why would you you know possibly take out a a higher seed that that could have gone much further in your bracket if you had just left them in so i kind of tried to avoid that but looking at your bracket today do you have any upsets across the action yeah i have a couple uh let me see there i have one where i have winthrop uh upsetting villanova that's a that's a hot one that I people have liked without, today as well without gillespie and just the way winthrop's been playing let me see if there's some other ones i had i have them somewhere pulled up on my computer speaking of that while you look for that speaking georgia on tech, that i have georgia tech georgia tech is, that an, is an upset i guess they are five and a half point underdogs see i'm looking at it from the but, upset in terms of point spread but believe it or not guess what over the last 35 years, the nine seed has won more games than the eight seed. Yep. They've beaten the eight seed more times than vice versa. So is that really an upset? 
maybe the nine seeds are just better. That's how it goes. I mean, sometimes and sometimes that's just how it is. I have a couple different brackets, so it's hard for me to figure out where my upsets are okay, well, for today. I, w- I want to talk about that Villanova-Winthrop game tonight. That's at 8.57. That's, a, that's one of them, yes. That game's at 8.57 tonight on TNT. Villanova's favored by 6.5 uh, across some locations as Sting's holding up a W that's, that's for Winthrop. I'm expecting Winthrop to win this ballgame 23-1. This is a clash of styles. Villanova is without uh, Gillespie at point guard for them so Villanova struggling with uh with you know losing a player that that that's gonna hurt them going into the tournament but on top of that this Winthrop team clash of styles they turn up the heat on the offensive and defensive ends they like to fly up and down the court they can really score the basketball my one concern for this Winthrop team is poor very poor free throw shooting team and those are the types of things that you need in tournament time Florida almost lost today because they couldn't hit a free throw so that's the one thing that scares me there, but I think this Winthrop team finds the points. They rebound the ball well. They get after it on the offensive glass. I think they find the extra possessions, and they take down Winthrop today. One for me that I'm super high up on today that I'm catching flack from for a lot of people, I am taking the Liberty Flames in the 13-4 to knock off Oklahoma State. That's, I mean, that's not a bad pick. I that's mean, my highest upset of ev- the entire tournament. That, that is the lowest seed beating a highest seed for me. Everybody has fallen in love with Oklahoma State, who throughout the year hasn't been that great. They turned it on a little bit late. For I mean, 20 and 8. You've got Cade Cunningham. He's a great player. Outside of that, what else? Exactly. Like outside of that, what else? They're a very upsettable team. They're also a team, it's a lot like how we've talked about Alabama. They're a team you could see them get beat the first weekend. They're also a team you could see get carried in that, you know, all the way that Steph Curry taking Davidson, you know, a long time, Kimball Walker carrying UConn. You could see Cade Cunningham because he's so talented do that for Oklahoma State, but you could also see them getting beat if, you know, he's the only one playing well and Liberty comes out and plays top notch basketball. I can see that happening. I've got Oklahoma State winning. I also have Liberty. I think I have one or two brackets with Liberty. I also took, I also like Liberty plus seven and a half. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't expect a blowout by any means. I think Liberty is going to hang in this game regardless if they win or lose. I like Syracuse a lot tonight, too. I think that's Oh, a, don't do that to me, man. I think that's one that could uh, sneak up on some people. I got San Diego State going on a They're, run. That is my darling of this tournament. That's a good, I love that San it's Diego a good State team. team. It's a good team, but a lot of people are starting to fall in love with them, so I'm going to kind of lean and say that I think I think Syracuse can do it, Will they do it? I don't know, but I think they could. I, I can see Syracuse pulling it off. And that's just for today. There's a lot of – most of my upsets come tomorrow. You see Santa Barbara, shout out Gauchos. I like Creighton in that one, but – UNC sure. Greensboro, the frauds, Florida State. <laughs> I mean, you ain't got to worry about that. And even if they win, they're going to lose to Georgetown the next game anyway, so it doesn't matter. Florida State's getting upset by one of those two teams. Going back to that Liberty-Oklahoma State game, Liberty – Shoots the ball really well across Oof, the floor. So they well. also play outstanding defense. I would actually say that Liberty, especially if you're looking at Kim Palm's rankings, they're no more for their defense than for their offense. And a big key here is this is a clash of styles. Oklahoma State likes to run the floor a little bit more than Liberty does. Liberty's going to slow you down. Here's the thing. If Liberty's going to pull this upset, they got to make shots. If they make shots, it's going to allow them to set up their defense. That's ju- that's just the key. They're going to be able to get back on the defensive side of the ball. That's going to help them stop Cade Cunningham. If Liberty's out there getting buckets against an Oklahoma State defense that's been kind of so-so this year, if they go out there and they score the basketball and they get back on defense, they're going to be able to stifle Oklahoma State's production from Cade Cunningham and then other players around him. So I'm super passionate about this Liberty-Oklahoma State 
game because I, I think it's a great matchup for an upset. Could end up being wrong. Could die on that hill, but I am on that hill right now. I mean, I don't. I, it could happen. I, I, it could happen. I'm not betting that or you know saying picking that in my bracket, but I, I'm not going to say that's a bad take because I agree with you. I think it could happen. More of On the Line on the other side of this break. When we come back, we talk some Auburn football pro day, some overall thoughts on this Auburn draft class. Also, what's going on with these Auburn basketball players transferring out of the program? Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. 30 minutes out from the drive with Bill Cameron. Levi's over here sweating bullets right now. Yeah, uh, I was laughing because I, uh, when I picked all the games against the spread, I took Oral Roberts plus 16, so I've just been kind of chuckling all day long. Forgot that in my brackets, I have Ohio State going pretty far. So, Buckeyes, Buckeyes get it together, please. <laughs> I at least want to have a fighter's chance, but uh, not too far. Don't win by more than uh, 16. Ohio State down right now, 51-49 to in a 15-2 game against Oral Roberts. They're losing by two. With 8.34 left in the ball game with Ohio State at the line trying to tie it up here. And then Baylor and Hartford at halftime on True TV, 37-21. Baylor leads at 12.17 left in the first half. Over on TBS, Georgia Tech with a seven-point lead on Loyola, Chicago, 15-8. So things are going really well. It, okay, question real quick, though. <laughs> Do you just go every time I say Georgia Tech? Like if I, if I say something else, like if I say that team in yellow – like you won't go bzzz, or is it just what, what's going on it's just every time like anytime <laughs> you start talking about tech i'm gonna bzzz. i got you so it's just well, as soon as you pick up on that the swarm is coming the rambling wreck versus the ramblers they're coming this oral roberts team will not go away just just as soon as ohio state's about to tie it then they come back and score on the other end this this oral roberts team will not will not go down easy ohio state's still trailing right now by three Continuing on here with the show, Auburn's Pro Day was a couple days ago, and I haven't gotten to have this discussion with you just yet, but Anthony Schwartz in the 4-2 range right now with his 40 time. How do you view Anthony Schwartz as a prospect after seeing his 40-yard dash time? You're the NFL draft guy in the room. Someone is going to draft him. Someone is going to fall in love yeah, with that draft speed. speed. They're going to fall. They're going to fall in love with that speed, and they're going to see a guy that they can, I think, they're going to look at Anthony Schwartz and say, hey, at the worst case scenario, he can be a valuable guy on special teams if he doesn't develop as a receiver. He can be some sort of gunner type of situation on the special teams if maybe get him to return punts. Yeah, I don't know if man. you can te- if you can learn if you can you know teach him how to return punts. You feel comfortable with that on kickoff coverage as well. You can have a guy like him. I mean, think about Anthony Schwartz running down on kickoff coverage. He's going to be there by the time the but ball gets there. But can he actually tackle that's, you? And that's it. If you can, And you can teach tackling a lot easier than you can teach route running most of the time. And I just think someone's going to actually fall in love with him. And I'm saying that's worst-case scenario for him because one of the best-case scenarios is you get a guy who's fast that you can develop with you know some more diversified routes, add a little bit more to the route tree in his disposal. Yeah, Seth Williams saying – a couple days ago when he was asked yep. <laughs> that Auburn didn't run a whole lot of routes. And that's not the first time that an Auburn receiver going to the next level has said that. I don't blame him for saying it. I throw Auburn under the bus too. Oh yeah. I mean we've been I mean Ricardo Lewis said it when he got when he was yes, with the Browns. He, he said that he was way behind in terms of his route tree 
you know, way back in whatever, what was it, 2016 that he went. No, because the, Definitely I mean, it's throw facts. Auburn under the bus because it hurts your draft stock Yeah, because you at least want to tell people, it hurts your draft stock if, if you say, oh, well, they tried and I, and I couldn't run those routes, you know, or I wasn't good at running those routes. At least you hold up the, the perception that, oh, well, the guy didn't get the opportunity. I think he can run these routes. I think we can teach him these things. At least you can tap into that part of scouts and gm's brains are like oh this guy's raw like he's gonna end up like look at all his physical skills look at his hands he's good at these things we can develop his route running that's what they think and that's I what throw they, auburn under the bus too 100 percent. Oh, because i mean that's just how the scheme is I think, auburn's fault i think nfl scouts know that i think they know that auburn's scheme wasn't necessarily nfl route friendly for a lot of the receivers it's coming not anything out nfl friendly i mean you look at Dar- yeah that's 100 percent agree uh, agreed i mean look at darius slayton i didn't expect darius slayton to translate well to the nfl he comes out because i didn't see i didn't get to see him run those kind of pro routes in college all he did was run straight yeah that's all and, they had him do and now he's playing very well for the new york giants offense which i mean maybe because they don't have a lot of guys to throw the ball to it from time to time and he's one of the better options man he's making he's making daniel jones look better than daniel jones actually is uh, whoa no daniel jones slander just kidding he's he's pretty bad he's actually really bad do you think he, and gets he makes usurped? him look better than yeah than he actually is i mean usurped by what mike glennon he's there the, ne- the yeah. neck the neck the neck is there but no, the skinniest I, quarterback alive i'm i think a team is i think with this being said this might be a hot take because i think seth williams should transition better to the nfl i think anthony schwartz might get drafted before him just because of that speed and they think that they could develop him into an nfl type of guy a couple of things bother me about seth williams at the next level there's like me and uh lance said this yesterday he's just kind of average across the board outside of physicality and then when you saw him go an exceptional catch ability like his spectacular catch like this dude can do what obj does yeah maybe not to that degree but he's like the collegiate obj making some like absurd catches and then also as you pointed out the physicality the physicality to be able to win in one-on-one but then you saw that against an nfl corner in jc horn and he got shut down and that worries me my two big things with Williams, case of the drops, man. Oh, and man, w- them the drops. last receiver Whew. that we saw with this level of drops that like actually had like a about the same value that he does in the NFL draft or about the same like draft range, I think. So, you know, where what rounds would he go? Sammy Coates went in the, you know, in that third round range. Well, where, when was Sammy Coates drafted? Was it around the third round? Sting is shaking his head saying third round. So I'll, I'll go and fact check that. But Sammy, you know, like, Sammy Coates would catch every ball 100 yards down the field with three guys hanging off his back, but he could not catch a slant or a drag when he was at, when he was at Auburn. It was, and I think that's what. And then in the NFL, didn't he like break one of his hands or like both of his hands at some point? He never really saw. He never really saw the field for the Steelers. It just never materialized. Well, he was starting to, and then he like broke his hands. Never really got a chance to go off, and he was unimpressive in the XFL as well. You know, he played for the Browns at one point too. Yeah, just saying. And you didn't even know it. He had six catches for seventy yards. He was one of the top. He was one of the top drafts (laughs) for the XFL and didn't do anything with that. Across his career, Sammy Coates had 29 catches for 528 yards and two touchdowns as a receiver in the NFL. So uh, that that's about you know a good that's a good like half a season's worth of of yards for some of the best receivers in the league across his career. Sammy Coates was drafted in the third round, pick 87. So Sting was right on it, and I think that's the high end of the range for Seth Williams. I don't think we see him go higher than the third round. I could also see him 
plummet as far as like the fifth round. I could I could see that. Don't look now. Oregon State's leading Tennessee. Sorry, I got distracted. Oh, it's early, man. Let's not distract people with that. It's, it's early. It's early, but I mean, don't look now. The beeves. The beeves. But yeah, I, I see that. I, I think that Anthony Schwartz is going to, the only reason I think he's going to get above Seth Williams is just because of the speed. I think they're going to fall in love with that, and they're going to think that they can Anthony could do- Schwartz also doesn't have a case of the drops. That's true. The guy was relatively sure-handed. I mean, the Raiders are going to need another receiver. They're gonna, now, they're, he's not physical, and if he gets hit, ball's coming out. That's but true. if he is not if he's not being touched, Anthony Schwartz will catch the football and then he will outrun you. You know how John Gruden feels about speed. That's you know, true. He's going he's gonna go after a trade for Miko Hardman. He's gonna draft Anthony Schwartz, and then they're gonna have Henry Ruggs, and they're just gonna run four verts every single play with Derek Carr since they don't have a line anymore. <laughs> I don't know how you can uh how you can do five strip five step drop plays anymore without an offensive God, line. They they have none of them. No line whatsoever. They're all gone. They're all gone. They're gonna run seven on seven next year, I guess. Didn't everybody like really though, how far does this move the needle for Anthony Schwartz though? Like if you've watched the guy's college film, you had to expect that he was gonna run a four two forty, right? I don't think it moves the needle for him that much. Like I just think that you it still, kinda like you don't think this changes his draft stock. You just expected this from Anthony Schwartz all this time. Yeah. I just I like think, that and it's not confidence. That, yeah, I mean and it's not that I I think Seth Williams has the potential to be a better receiver than Anthony Schwartz at the next level I just think that because Anthony I'm sorry let me put that back I think right now coming out Seth Williams would be a better more ready guy to put into an NFL game but I think Anthony Schwartz has that potential because he has that speed if you can you could develop and develop him into a guy like a Tyreek Hill who's really really fast and can run all kinds of routes if you get that part of his game developed Auburn didn't do it an NFL team probably sees it Hey, this guy could be kind of a diamond in the rough type player, but also he could end up being Miko Hardman and do nothing. That's just how, like, that's the kind of ceiling floor that you're looking at with a guy like him. Better pro prospect right here on the spot. First name that comes to mind here, okay, when I ask you this question. It's, okay. it's two players right here. Better pro prospect. Yeah. Better pro prospect. Here we go. Sammy Coates or Seth Williams? Mm, I'm going to go Sammy Coates. Like when he was coming out pro prospect, I feel better. I felt better about Sammy Coates coming out as a pro prospect than I do as Seth Williams. And I'm leaning that way too. And so I want you to expound on that because I think the, we're thinking the same thing. I'm really just worried about because Sammy Coates did show physicality. He had and, speed too. Yeah, and he had and speed. I don't think Seth, Seth Williams has that level of speed to really create separation like Sammy Coates could. The, Sammy Coates may have not have been a great route runner, may have not have been a great pass catcher in terms of reliability because he did have a lot of drops but he could still create separation with his speed alone and he also maybe this is a hindsight 2020 type deal where Sammy Coates also went to a good Sammy Coates the right team found him and if the right team finds Seth Williams this might be a different type of situation ended up out of the league the right team did find him the Pittsburgh Steelers was a great fit for Sammy Coates and then yeah bottoms out just did not work injuries did not help him but he's now with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders out of the Canadian Football League. Ooh, isn't that where Nick Marshall's playing as well? Yes. Very good. Cool. Reunited. Just on two different sides of the ball now. I want to see a touchdown pass from Nick Marshall to Sammy Coates. I know he's playing on the defensive side of the ball. I make it, it happen. Make it happen, Rough Riders. still make it happen. But uh, Nick Marshall still got it. Yeah, I, um, I think he does. Uh, I don't like a lot of what Seth Williams has in his game. In He's terms not of, it's, shifty. It's just all average across the board and outside of... Spectacular catch. And, That's it. He and can make physi- a crazy grab. And physicality, but 
again, I'm going to keep going back to it. When we saw him against pro corner, he he fell short with his physicality. He was not able to outmuscle a guy like J.C. Horn, and that's what worries me. I just think it's average across the board at best right now. And sorry, average across the board does not cut it in the NFL unless you do something else absolutely spectacular. Average across the board didn't cut it. Also, if you receivers are cut all over the place, first of all, the receiver depth chart's super huge going oh, you, into uh, the preseason. Oh, and look a lot at this of draft. Names. This draft is loaded. With I, receiver I think talent. he gets drafted, but I'm just telling you, I wouldn't be afraid if it was, you know, a cut or something like that in in uh, camp because mm-hmm. he's can't catch the football. Like the guy drops a lot of passes that can kill him on getting on the field coaches will not put you on the field if you're not sure-handed and most receivers that go to the league were sure-handed in college yep i agree i can't stress enough like seth williams was a good college wide receiver but there's some things that are really plaguing him on the draft side that like make me uncomfortable with it and it's a and it's the the drops the drops are bad that's the one thing he does really poorly so if you're doing something poorly, like I don't know what you're supposed to do as a wide receiver and catch the and catch the football, and then you do everything else average outside of a little bit of physicality and spectacular catch, it's going to be hard for NFL scouts to draft you, especially when you're already behind the curve in your route running because you were playing at Auburn in an unfavorable scheme to that, and then you look at the loaded receiver talent that's in this draft. It's going to be hard for a guy to get drafted. In Seth Williams, I think he might. He could, he's probably going to drop a little bit just based off of all of those factors and the and the fact that the receiver depth in this draft is so so good. We wrap up the show on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. Last segment of the week on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, with you on the show here on ESPN 106.7 on Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Before we wrap up the show here, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. The NCAA tournament is here and I imagine it is going to dominate televisions today. Into the second grouping of games, two-seed Ohio State takes the floor against Oral Roberts at 2 on CBS. 2.30 on True TV, one-seed Baylor at 16-seed Hartford. At 3 on TBS, fan favorite Loyola Chicago will play the ACC champions in Georgia Tech. 3.30 on TNT, Tennessee and Oregon State will play. Early evening games feature Liberty, Oklahoma State at 5.25 on TBS, Wisconsin, North Carolina at 610 on CBS. Cleveland State Houston at 615 on True TV. North Texas Purdue at 625 on TNT. The last grouping of games begins at 820 with Rutgers Clemson on TBS. At 840 popular Cinderella San Diego State will play Syracuse on CBS. Over on True TV at 850 Moorhead State versus West Virginia and at 857 to wrap up the night Winthrop against Villanova on TNT. I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight. Look at that NCAA tournament scoreboard right now. Four games going right now live. 323 left in the second half on CBS. Ohio State has pulled back in front of Oral Roberts at 61 to 60 there. Now 63 to 60, under three minutes to go there in that ball game. Baylor is thumping Hartford now after they were trailing for like the first 10 minutes of that ball game. They're in front now, 43-21 in the second half there, 1738 to go on True TV. Georgia Tech, Loyola, Chicago. Are you not going to do it? <laughs> under five to go in the first half on tbs oh Georgia you were Tech co- up by four you were complaining about it then i didn't do it and you look forward to it you you love it when i do the georgia tech I, th- I think i think it's funny i don't hate it i think that's better than the hog noises they I, won today they, they did win today they beat colgate 
85 to 68. I, I can't make a beaver sound. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't go for that. I but think. Oregon State is winning right now on top of Tennessee, 15 to 7, 1208 in the first. So if you had Tennessee going far in your bracket, you might be sweating here early. I mean, I'm I'm sweating right now on all these all these against the spread bets that I made. I need Georgia Tech to get going it together. Today. Uh, let's see. I think I went two and two so far. I had Florida as a pick'em that I picked. Colgate plus eight and a half looked good early. Fell down the stretch. Illinois minus twenty two and a half was good. Utah State plus four and a half, and that was one bad. failed out. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I think Oral Roberts plus sixteen looks pretty good right now. It's it's a pretty Did good one. Did you take right that now. one? Yeah, I have Oral Roberts oh, wow. plus sixteen. So that one looks pretty good at this very moment. Hartford Ohio plus, State is the least trustworthy, like high seed out out there. I, I didn't, feel like I didn't expect this. I expected maybe like an eight to ten point game. I didn't expect this. And then Hartford plus twenty five and a half. Georgia Tech plus five and a half. Tennessee minus eight and a half doesn't look very good right now either. But Georgia Tech's no, looking good. There's still a lot of time in that Tennessee game. Georgia Tech's looking good right now because they don't have to win. They're the underdog. Hartford, they can just keep it within 25 points. I'm happy. It's looking like that's not going to happen. Baylor is on a roll right now. They shed their fraud coats and decided to come out and play basketball. Tennessee, though, I don't know what's going on with the Vols. The inconsistent team strikes again. Yeah, it looks like that offense that is only going to score 50 in a ball game. That That's what it looks like right every, now. Only every, seven points through 10 minutes. 18 to 7 right now. Seven points. Wow. That's incredible. That's I mean that's how they've been all year though. It's sometimes they the offense for Tennessee decides, nah, we don't want to play today. And you know, shout out to Oregon State. They are taking advantage of that. And the Beavs, they could be advancing. They're getting hot. Won their tournament and they might beat Tennessee. That would be crazy to see. I wonder how many uh Auburn and Alabama fans out there would be excited to see Tennessee basketball bounce first weekend. Auburn baseball against Ole Miss and Oxford, Mississippi today, Friday, first pitch at 6.30. All three games will be broadcast on the SEC Network Plus. Big set of games here for Auburn baseball. We really haven't been able to do this series enough justice here. Greenhill on the mound for Auburn today. The senior righty with that 1.88 ERA against junior righty Gunnar Hoagland, 2-0, 3.04 ERA. Look at some scouting report here on Ole Miss this season as a team batting 276, opponents batting 217. You are battling against one of the most difficult pitching staffs that the SEC has to offer. And I'll tell you this, while Auburn's pitching staff is a bit depleted, some guys might be available. Is Jack Owen going to be able to get any work? Is Richard Fitz going to be that starter on Sunday that is currently listed as to be announced? Auburn's depleted in that pitching staff. So what does that tell me? You need to go out and win one of the first two games because I, if, you're, if you are 0-2, in this series after Friday and Saturday I'm not feeling I'm not feeling confident about Sunday not at all you have to you have to win early you have to either take and I'm not a, even saying Friday like, or Saturday and I'm not even saying that to like win the series I, I'm just, just I would be happy if Auburn just took one this weekend if Auburn takes one I'm happy and honestly if they get swept and they're close in every game am I going to be disappointed and upset yes Will I be happy and find a way to draw something out of that if they're close and competitive in all three games and get swept you look you like you feel a little bit better about it because this is a top team in the country. If you take one, I mean, obviously you want to see them sweep us. You obviously want to see Auburn win the series. But I think with the expectations going sweep, in, though. I think going in, if you take one from this team, you're looking good. If you take two, you are over the moon. If you take two, take the series, you are just ecstatic about the moving forward from this Auburn team. Ole Miss averaging 7.4 runs per game on the offensive end and then allowing... 
punching this into the cat uh, to the calculator they're only allowing 4.2 runs a ball game so Auburn's gonna have to bring the bats right now I think I think it's super important that Auburn sets the tone here on Friday Auburn cannot have Auburn absolutely cannot use you know four or five different arms today because Ole Miss is barraging them at the plate Auburn has to have a solid start from Green Hill honestly I think they're gonna have to have his best outing of the season and and that sounds obvious I mean like he's going to have to go further than five innings this guy's gonna have to go six seven deep Auburn's gonna have to bring the bats if they're gonna want to try and steal it tonight this is a this is a crucial game in this series this sets the tone if Auburn goes if Auburn has a lot of arms used today you know you might you you should have them back by Sunday if, if they don't have to go for too long and pitch counts aren't running too high but you really would love to see Auburn have a solid outing from Green Hill go to work go to battle and then maybe it looks like Hoagland, by some of the numbers here, he's a little bit more hittable at the moment than maybe McDaniel on Saturday with that 1.80 RA. Auburn's got to bring the bats if they're going to win one. I mean, it, it is it is very important that Auburn does not get swept. I mean, that's how it is. They're going to have to hit with your p- pitching staff depleted. You got to hit and you got to get out consistently. Bust hit. out the bats and make it a brawl, right? Like go toe to toe, make it a fist fight. You know, not actually, but but you know, at the plate, make it a dog fight. That does it for another edition of On the Line, another weekly edition of On the Line. We'll be back next Monday. We'll see you guys then. The Drive with Bill Cameron following us here on the show. We'll see you Monday. You know where to find us.